Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another installment of Heel Section. My name is Rafa Sparza. It's been a little while since we've talked to you. Actually, it's been about a week. You've had longer breaks in between. I guess the idea is this. Mike, if you were Booker T right now, what would be the first thing you would say if I brought up the name? Hmm. Hmm. Graves? Hulk Hogan, we coming for you. <laughs> that that's where we're starting to. Okay, so is it is it an issue though that this whole situation now is it a feud? Is it being played up? What what is the whole purpose of this? You want it to be a feud. It's the most real thing that it could. It could surface right now. I mean, it was until the new day kept bringing it up last night, which was. <laughs> Which I don't know if they had the green light to do or just Biggie was just kind of riffing. It's an interesting aspect of, you know, when has commentary ever really been a major storyline? Occasionally it's a blip on the storyline surface, like JR getting put in a storyline every once in a while. Uh, the King having his his honor and integrity called into question. But this is one where there's an accusation that somebody stole somebody's job, or at least was pushed out of it. And uh, that gets a little weird. Um, do you really feel that that's the scenario? What's the, the interpretation you have of, of this? Well, we, don't know, we don't know the full story. You know what I mean? We only have to go by what we, what we heard on a weekly basis. You know what I mean? The whole t joke was how bad Booker T was. And Corey Graves would kind of tongue-in-cheek put him in line. I don't know if it was so off script, but that was just kind of their, their thing. And that's the only thing we have to go by until, you know, it gets solidified by the tweet. You know, because that's what everything is you're accountable for is your, what you tweet out there. And uh, he had some pretty – I mean, it's his job. That was the whole storyline with Stone Cold and Vince, right? It was Stone Cold's job and the boss. You know what I mean? That's real life, dude. He took his job. Kind of. He's still on the pre-show, but I don't know if that's less cakers. You know what I mean? His pockets are... <laughs> uh, we had uh, just realized a missed opportunity with a, a tie-in for... Um, hey, kids, if you love the ice cream cones that we used to do, or the ice cream, the WWE <laughs> ice cream, why not take a look at WWE cakers? They that's do. Right. They, have the, they have the pancakes. No, no, no. Check out these cakers, the <laughs> official Undertaker version cakers. of a cake. They put they just put um, WWE hats on lids.com, like official like ball caps. And I was like, okay, cool, let's check it out. Now, two things. My phone thinks I just want to buy hats now. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a lot of like, I want to buy you the Brie Mode one. It's just like a bunch of Divas ones. It's like the main. There's like John Cena and the WWE logo. <laughs> and it's just like, then it's just people's names, like Finn Balor. That's funny. Uh, but then there's just like Brie, Nikki, Paige. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, I want to get you the Brie Mode one real bad. <laughs> Why Brie? Do I exude more of a Brie in this dynamic? No, just because every time, I don't know, I just hear that terrible song every time I see that logo. But anyway, back to what you were talking about, this whole Booker T thing. Um, I, I, part of me thinks that 
should just do it at WrestleMania, but then Corey Graves is like super hurt. He can't wrestle. So I don't know if they would be teasing something like that. I would watch it. I would if they said that was part of WrestleMania, I'd be in. Which would be no. an interesting quandary because they'd be like, All right, he can come back, but Daniel Bryan still chill the fuck on the side. Are you eating cake right now? No, not cake. I don't have fucking cake off me. Cakers. I was like, you're taking you obsessed with cake right now. I need to understand. If you need cake, there's perfectly good cheat cake. You you went on a whole raff about, I mean, a whole riff about cake because I called money cakers. There's a lot of definitions. It sounds like when people use the dumb abbreviation for, oh, takers got to do this match. It's like, well, no, how about the undertaker? It's not that many words. Okay, well, what about just Stone Cold? That's fine. Or HBK? HBK was something that it did work, and I understand that. Acronyms are a different thing. Sometimes they fit you, sometimes not. The Undertaker is The Undertaker. Even if we are saying him as the dead man, that's fine, whatever. It's not like we're abbreviating anything. But when we start to get a little bit more into the realm of uh hbk triple h is still hilarious like (laughs) i just like the idea that your acronym and i want to ask this for certain rappers your acronym or your alias name becomes your real name so i always wonder when those guys are on the red carpet if somebody yells out paul and he just goes what oh shit that's that's well what about share i mean or or madonna uh well madonna is actually named madonna yeah, but she's not double Madonna. I think the weird part is, is like, if I think of a rapper, if you think of somebody like, say, Jeezy, and somebody goes, hey, what's up, Jeezy? And you go, yes, that is me. But please, call me by my maiden name. Well, double E, you would easy E, you didn't call him double E. You know what I mean? Just because there's two E's on the front of his name. So anyway, no, getting back to your point. That is no, why I'm just I glad said. they don't do alliterations. Like it wouldn't be like Taker Tuesday or shit like that. You know but again, I mean? getting back to your idea of the cake, <sighs> it's yes, it, it is making sense. But you're the one that's just like, are you eating? Do you, do you need food? Do I need to send like a blue apron out your way? I don't understand. The, the whole point of this that I have, though, is – if you do have that match and they're teasing it, it is a little weird considering how the WWE really makes a big thing on, on their wellness and how they follow all the rules, etc., etc. Uh, I just thought it was weird when he said, if I see him, I'm going to kick his ass kind of a thing. You get these hands. Which is one of my favorite ways of saying you want to box somebody. You want to catch these paws. Okay. Box them up. I'm going to box you up. So, uh, anyway, I just thought that was weird. And sadly, this is where we get into that meritocracy. Um, I mean, Booker T really isn't that good. Like, if we're just being kind of there. And I actually thought at the Royal Rumble, their three dynamic was really rough. I thought uh, Booker T was trying to chime in and stay on kayfabe. And I literally heard, uh, heard Graves break a number of times on the broadcast. Uh, like clearly was trying to get in and do his thing and it just was not working. They did so. that the whole time. They had to piggyback off him fucking up. You could like hear them waiting for it after. Mm-hmm. I think that was the whole, it wasn't just him. 
and he's going to be the scapegoat because he's all jelly that he's on fucking every show. <laughs> Corey Graves is on everything. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So why wouldn't he be the like the scapegoat for the sword? Because Andy kind of breaks. He does break kayfabe when he has to, and that's why he's he's good. That's what I've been doing. Actually, yesterday they just released these um, WWE or WWF Coliseum home videos on the network, mm-hmm. and it's a bunch of uh, like house show matches or like best ofs. And but the commentary is between um, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, and the shit that Bobby Heenan would say and Gorilla Monsoon would have to just like, oh, will you stop? Just constantly, it was just kind of like you had to wait for that kind of break, you know what I mean? But Booker T was just so all over the place. I mean, he's notorious for it. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I would like to get a a version of Pixar getting an inside out of his brain because I would love to see the, the different mechanisms that make up uh, his thing. Uh, at least when he's uh, uh, trying to make some sort of reference during a match. All right, moving on. Let's talk about a few things. What is going on in the WWE right now? Um, Do you feel that there is any reason to put a top 10 list? You know, I love top 10s. David Letterman is one of my biggest mentors in this whole fucking world. But to be putting out a power list that's akin to a UFC's ranking list for SmackDown uh, what? Oh, I mean, it was cool until it was executed. It was a good thought. It made me think about, um, I used to get those PW insiders back in the day, and they would have a top 10 rank. They would have all the federations, WWE, WCW, but it would have their champion, like, sectioned out. You know what I mean? This is a champion, and then it's their top 10. The whole fact that it was just, I guess it's a popularity vote by the superstars, quote unquote, to who the top ten is. Mm-hmm. But the the top three were people that people had belts. I mean, I thought, what's the utility of the thing? I thought it would be like the number one contender who gets voted on gets like a title shot that week, or but number one was AJ, so everybody just likes AJ. So it, it, now what? Hmm. We like what? I don't. And then everybody's up in arms, of course, because why? Yesterday was Rusev Day, and Rusev was left off the list. That's not. Then where's Jericho? This isn't. What kind of list is this? I thought being on a list was a bad thing. So this is a top ten. What ranking for what? You know what I mean? For the next president of the WWE? What's what is this? <laughs> What if there was a great salary uh, kind of uh, incentives for those if you come in at, like, second place or they, like, get their Ryan Seacrest on and they go, guys, please vote America. I need your help. I make two more grand if you guys make me the third seed. If you don't make the list, you don't get paid. Also, shouldn't this be a tie-in to have a Jericho by a Skype machine revealing the list each week thank you thank you thank you for making it like a thing i you know i had some kind of validity to where i was going but yeah it doesn't make and again so <laughs> watching down o'brien do it in a live show like what okay what what, what do they expect like the reaction to be when they 
You know what I mean? They even get they put Ty Dillinger at ten because I think they thought the crowd was gonna pop for it. Ten, 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 and everybody just thought they were like, Yeah, we know. Okay, now <laughs> fucking now what? Yeah, dude, my mom who doesn't even follow this knew he was at ten. Go on. <laughs> right. Like they did that at the Rumble three times. Like, can we get a new like, it doesn't make I felt like it was just filler, but I think that's what SmackDown is. Like they got the new thing where they're trying out these graphics, and then last week they, for the four-way for the U.S. title, the number one contender, like all four guys were in the ring, and then they went and did a backstage segment that lasted maybe about four minutes. While these guys just had to like kick it in the ring, and you're waiting for the match, sitting there live as a fan, and then you have to watch the TV, just like that was a big gripe at the Manhattan Center. They get they have you watching so much. TV at these live events that it's just kind of like, oh, okay. It, it even comes off boring at home. So I can only imagine when it's like going through that. Yeah. I just, I, okay. So some background on this. If you're going to do a top 10 list, great. I hope that you release it well. I think that's great fodder actually more so for the pre-show. I think those are, are good things to use or pre or post. And especially... How great it would be if they had Talking Smack afterwards and they'd be like, hey, guys, we have some new breaking news. We have a change in the top 10 listings for this week. Moving up two spots, AJ Styles. Congratulations. Coming in with uh, a bullet, AJ Styles. Everybody, it was the summer of 1987. AJ Styles was just a glimmer on a little playground. This one goes out to you, AJ. Always and forever. And for all of you out there who want to make your dreams come true, just remember, it's not Rusev Day. This is Casey Kasem signing off, and I'm cryptically still kind of dead. No, I don't want to live in a world where people don't know who Casey Kasem is. Doesn't he have, like, any offspring that sound exactly like him? Uh, no, not to my knowledge. Although, I so here's the weird part about doing that reference. I think he's dead, but they never confirmed it or they don't know where his body is. Something really shady happened to him, and I, I don't exactly know what it was. It's like in a – just in a voice box. It's just a black box you're looking for at this point. <laughs> he's still counting down. Yeah, he died in 2014. Okay. But he just like – for whatever reason, they didn't know where the fuck he was. Uh, he also did Shaggy's voice, so R.I.P. Oh, wow. So is there like a modern day Casey Kasem? Who's the closest thing to him? What, Ryan Seacrest? No. Did he like actually take his job? Uh, No, 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 no. I mean, he's more of Dick Clark, if anything. Oh, that's even more outdated of a reference. Not really. I mean, Dick Clark at least has his name in a thing still. Uh, so it so used Casey... to be Ryan Seacrest hosting Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year. But then they so, Casey Kasem took over for Dick Clark. No. Is Ryan Seacrest the equivalent to Casey Kasem, like how Justin Timberlake's the equivalent to Michael Jackson at this point? Never. Listen, a few things about Justin Timberlake and Michael Jackson. No, here we go. Hold on. <clears throat> Hold on. I had to, I meant to ask you about mm-hmm. that. Are you, are you okay? There I'm fine. To be a I just... Response from you over this whole Justin Timberlake, which takes us back to the last episode where you actually called out conspiracy theory 
of the whole plants call out. And he did it at the Super Bowl. Because he's <laughs> dumb. And Prince does not like Justin Timberlake. So Prince's sister, who has a little bit of control over the estate, I don't think a ton, but maybe a little bit, she was saying that it was okay. It was a tasteful tribute. And they said, well, what about the things that Prince said? Well, what did Prince say about Justin Timberlake? Well, there's the whole situation where, to recap very quickly, Justin Timberlake was trying to make fun of Prince. Prince was not having it. So basically, Justin Timberlake put out an album called Love Sexy, which Prince had already named one of his albums. And Justin Timberlake basically, you know, with his very famous Sexy Back song, uh, was called out by Prince who said, hmm, sexy never left. And it's like, damn, dude, Prince gets to say that. So... All of a sudden, Justin Timberlake creates a rap song or a rap sing song, if you would, and give it to me and says, sexy never left. What? Why Don't make fun of me just because you didn't think of that as like some sort of way of getting it back at Prince. So all these years later, Prince is just kind of like, whatever. Now, all of a sudden, when he dies, Justin Timberlake is like, I was his biggest fan. I loved him. Huh. When you're in Minneapolis, Prince had one of the greatest all-time Super Bowl halftime shows. It would make sense to pay tribute to him. Not if you are Justin Timberlake, though. You do not get to pay tribute to some dude. So there was reported that it was going to be a fucking hologram. And Sheila E., in all of her glory, got involved and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know that Prince did not like you. And Justin was just like, yeah, but I liked him. And uh, come on. And so I think what ended up happening was Sheila E. ended up telling the whole world, hey, guys, talked with Justin. There will be no hologram. And everybody said, yay, no tribute to Prince. But I'm pretty sure that conversation actually went with, sure, Sheila E., I won't use a hologram, wink, and instead put up a giant fucking curtain of lowered vocals of sped down, and a view I would die for you. Viewmaster. And then he has the fucking nerve. I thought that's where the story ended. But no. He goes on Jimmy Fallon and he gets Questlove, an actual person who loves music and is tied in a little bit more to Prince's world, and says, Hey, Quest, that was pretty good. Yeah, uh, right? Like, uh, and Quest like gives him like a, a chest pump from where he was like hits his chest like yeah respect but it's kind of like yeah you did okay for you you're not usher and i guess as all of this is happening justin ends by saying yeah i'd like to think of myself as kind of like a uh a gatekeeper for prince no sit down you are not a gatekeeper for prince gatekeepers don't have people gatekeeping them that's not how gatekeeping works you know, no this is the whole. This is the entire point I wanted to make by even bringing this up. Is how into it you are. Because it's almost like it's wrong, and people are trying to defend him and say it wasn't that bad of a Super Bowl halftime performance. Yeah, it wasn't that good though. And Justin has a long history of being mediocre and having people love him. And I'm not even going to beseech the people who necessarily love him. 
but to try and convince us that it's the one of the best all-time performances when there was audio mixing issues his dancing was average he looked like bruno mars but tired and more importantly he's and, a michael jackson ripoff so he's come for and i want you to understand what this sounds like if you're really just listening to it he came for janet he's been doing the Michael Jackson playbook and he was coming for Prince and he did Prince wrong. And I want to make sure that people know who listened to this, not on my watch. No, thank <laughs> you, sir. I think just see you turning either more red or like a it's cartoon. Red. Or like I just skinny. want people to understand so the, what it is that is wrong about the situation. So and the fact well, that this motherfucker also gonna... played rock your body. The song that he pulled the, fucking boob out with and it's like are you serious you have other hits motherfucker and you're playing the one that they're not going to invite janet back but you're going to do your bullshit so so two things real quick i kind of liked it (laughs) okay why did you like i enjoyed the performance except for the opening part where he tried to do the weird michael jackson throwback graphics and the second point to how this is all going to tie back into hashtag everything is wrestling and it was something I asked you yesterday was, has Justin Timberlake become the Roman Reigns of life? No. Are they just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has. The answer is yes. Second of all, because they are trying to jam him down. Nobody wanted him as a Super Bowl halftime show. What was Beyonce busy? Hashtag was Beyonce busy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everybody would rather have done that. I mean, they've trying to get their act together with it, and everybody did want Janet, but that's you know just minus the boob. I mean, at least we got to think about it. I, I mean, mean, what were we? What were here's, we supposed here's the nice part about for Janet, though. <laughs> I have to say, I think she did the right thing because I don't think she was invited, but she put out a statement that just goes, "In case you're wondering, I'm not." Thanks, though, and she had a whole appreciation day that on Twitter. At one point, actually outperformed the halftime hashtag. So Janet Jackson Appreciation Day was rivaling, if not beating, the Super Bowl halftime show. Who made that up? You? No, Is that I something wish. you started? No. I mean, we should always appreciate Janet Jackson. Because you know why? She's a Jackson. Okay, so she she's a Rus- is she the Rusev of the world now? Every day is Janet Day. It should be. Everybody should fucking give props to Janet every fucking day. You know, the thing is, is like the hardest part that I, I really don't think people understand here is like she had a almost she her batting average was so high from 86 to 2001 that a nine tenths of a second put her on the back burner where she couldn't even sell the same kind of records that she could. And as a result, she becomes a little bit more forgotten. So Michael Rappaport, another person with a podcast who's garbage but he was like, when's the last time Janet Jackson had a hit? Motherfucker, what was the last time we remembered you in a movie? True romance, boy. That's a great film. That was, was that way like longer nine, than her last 94? number one hit. And I'm going to tell you. Higher learning. Secret. Higher learning. Also, still way before she was on the back end. And Terrible. guess what? She was also the star of one of the movies he was in. Oops. Okay. So you did it again. When you're looking at somebody like a Michael Rappaport, and I'm like, bro, you never cracked the top half of a movie. You were always below the line. And I've never liked him. 
And I never thought, like, when I heard Tribe Called Quest was getting a documentary, I said, yes. And they said, oh, Michael Rappaport's directing it. No. Didn't he do some voiceover for the WWE not to? Oh, didn't he do the one for the Kevin Owens story? I think he did. (laughs) Yeah, again, here's where he, I like Michael Rappaport. I think he's a fucking idiot. Anyway, he was mad that people were coming after him because he went after Janet. Yeah, because she a legend. And you are maybe the fifth build person in the movie, Higher Learning. So sit the fuck down. Anyway, the whole point of this is this. It's how how riled up you get about the whole point. That's because the whole that's it's what, an injustice, okay? <laughs> it is an injustice in this world. And the more important thing is when you look at Justin Timberlake wearing a Bob Ross outfit, uh, catering and, and just so... Just so clearly trying to win over that Duck Dynasty. Okay, so demo. here's another another thing that a lot of it's people don't know. I guess, well, and how it might. I guess it was a whole just shoe commercial. I guess like the right. shoes he was wearing. I guess if you were like up to date with, you and know, he still couldn't even do that right. No, I guess they sold. The, yeah, but nobody knew about it. But I guess the sneakerheads that knew about it. I guess there were some kind of like Super Bowl Jordans that he. Uh, help design and that they had like a swish on it. I've never seen no Jordans with no swish on it before, bro. Like, are you serious, bro? Like, damn, I gotta be. So I guess Nike, um, I guess that's what that little kid was doing. I guess he was trying to get them sneaks, fool. You know what I'm saying? You know, and them he shits had is no idea who the fuck Justin Timberlake was. <laughs> he that was trying was, to get them shoes, I guess. That kid was looking over him and being like, my mom's gonna be so stoked that's- I met this old dude. No, that's the conspiracy theory is that motherfucker was trying to get the shoes at the limited edition that were released during the I don't who was supposed to know about that. And if so, if, does that enrage you even more that he just uses Prince's name to sell some sneaks, bro? I like this one thing. Which I kind of want them shoes now. I don't. I thought, listen, I'm not a sneaker head. I don't really care. I spend my money on real people, grown up things. I just think to myself he is like everything about that when i go okay well great he's got sneakers i don't really care about that oh the crease in the fucking shoe they're jordans and they match his doug dynasty gear what are you talking about you never seen no bob ross werewolf howling at the moon matching some jordan that's the next step dude just look at him though look at how that outfit will be mocked in the future this is also the guy who showed up one time with a fucking jean outfit with his pop superstar girlfriend at the time. And you know, you know those murals on the side of vans, you know, with like the Aztec warriors and like the sunset with the, like the eclipse moon and shit. If you put those on some Jordans, I might be a sneakerhead. Anyway. All right. Let's get back to wrestling because you, this was an indulgence just for you. I don't really care about justin timberlake if you enjoyed the show you're just wrong you do you do you care about him as much as you do about roman who do you care about him or roman reigns uh roman reigns mm, come on i think at least roman reigns has put in at least one to two good matches justin timberlake has released three good singles so you know so the elimination chamber is going to be out here mm-hmm. and i thought it was I thought it was kind of a crazy segment with the Alexa Bliss Kurt Angle deal because I was kind of thinking the same thing. Um, if Alexa Bliss, her whole shtick was when she came out, if she 
is going to have to defend in the elimination chamber, why wouldn't the guys champion, a la Brock Lesnar, have to defend as well? And I thought, okay, you know, that's a great point, but then they just wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. They did what we are all thinking. I don't know if they did it too late, and I want to ask you that. Do you think they crossed into some new territory by her calling Kurt Angle sexist in such a pronounced way last night? Um, I mean, or the night before. It's an interesting. It's an interesting idea. I'm not sure what the execution looks like just yet because it's the very beginning of something. But now, I mean, is that something we really want to? I know. The dubs is notorious for, you know, push, putting their fingers on the hot button issues. But is this something we really need to go down? You know what I mean? Especially with the Vince allegations. I mean, and another thing on SmackDown yesterday, I don't know if you, you watched it, but the Usos cut a promo. And who was it? Jay? Yeah, they got the DUI. Like, yeah. basically addressed it to the camera, looking right at the camera. Just him one shot that... You know, they, he said some bit about, you know, the booking. They were, like, explaining how, you know, booking works at jail. And they said, nah, not me anymore, or something like that. I was just like, oh, well, okay. Is that, like, confession? <laughs> like, he's absolved of his WWE sins because he went out there and promoted it? I mean, people do love a good uh, rehabilitation in their lives. Uh you know, it's just, it's always viewed with a degree of how authentic is it. And I think the hardest part with authenticity with uh, pro wrestling is where does that end and begin? You know, who's going to say that that's going to be an actual authentic thing all of the times. Kurt Angle has DUIs. He's the general manager. Now he's going to be kayfabe, uh, the sexist guy, which I, I can't tell you what that's supposed to be or not. Uh, I just know that it is a revolving idea. And, and, and in many ways, pro wrestling is supposed to be a mirror of what happens in the real world. Like, it's supposed to be a certain kind of reflection of where we're at. And there we are. And I got news for you. That whole thing about everything being wrestling today, Donald Trump had his hair blown. To the point where he looked like, you know when Darth Vader is revealed... And he's got like the super baldness, and he's just an old, big, fat dude. Yeah, when they take that off was his essentially helmet. him. His hair came off completely. I mean, it was it was so combed over that when the air picked up a little bit of a gust and hit and ruffled his hair, it just revealed how bald he is. And uh, you know, good news for conservative media today. They looked at that and said, "His hair's so powerful and strong, you can't even blow it away." What? It broke the internet, first of all. And second of all, yeah, come on. What? That's where we're at, too, right? Yeah. You know, Ronda Rousey's pointing at Donald Trump's hair in the wind at this point. Mm. That's a good one. I'm going to have to make that one a little bit. Anyway. Uh, all right. So, yeah, I don't I don't know what that is yet. Um, I think they, they need a little more time to finesse it. Well, but, that's a, is that the line? It's just a DUI? I mean, they're not going to talk about Enzo. I mean, they just scrapped the whole thing. Completely just rebooted a whole brand because, but they'll never talk about. Um, even if he was cleared, they would he probably wouldn't even let him back on TV because of it. 
It'll depend. It will see. I mean, everything that's old is new again. And look at the top of the food chain. If Hulk Hogan still isn't allowed back on television, what does that mean? And him making those remarks, which some people don't even see the problem was, by the way. Um, so I guess it's always just a little bit of timing. And there's, there was talk of, has Hogan been in the penalty box for long enough? And I think a penalty box is something that has a very true application to uh, reconciliation, if you would. Yeah, but why do we even want to still see Hulk Hogan anymore? Are we past that? It's he's tied into the history though. Yeah. I guess. I just I don't know. I'm a mark for you know, indie wrestling and stuff and the whole fact that he wants to join the Bullet Club is just kind of <laughs> ridiculous. It's hilarious though. But it would get over though. <laughs> it would get over for a one off. You know. So I mean, I, I I'm intrigued by it. More than I think it would be successful or not successful. Okay, so that let me ask you. So is that more viable to the Bullet Club brand? Is people coming in and out of the crew or the actual storyline where like Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes are having friction and they're trying to decide who the new leader is, which kind of takes you along the NWO black and white versus Wolfpack, which was, you know, to a lot of people, you know, the debauchery of what it really was, but... Again, what's more important, having just these names as characters to sell T-shirts or the actual storyline that's involved? Because a lot of people don't know about the um, – I can't remember what their dumb name is. The something Lovers, <laughs> the Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega tag team name that were uh, – they, I guess they had been a tag team forever, and this is like them reuniting. But if you hadn't been paying attention to New Japan for yeah forever, you wouldn't know anything about it. So – yeah, Again. I don't. So I wonder if one of the genius things from the Young Bucks is the recognition that there is like a, a shorter storyline. That the idea that storylines to them are more of a like micro level, they happen so quickly. You know what I mean? Well, they have to in this day and age, especially with their being the elite. They try gimmicks, and if they catch fire, they catch fire. But if not, it just lays right there. It's a one-off. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the kind of YouTube generation we live in where everything's, you know, 10-minute doses at the most. And that's long, you know what I mean, for your these attention spans. Then, like I said, if it works, it you know, it's going to catch fire. I don't know. Their whole new thing, I watched an episode where their whole thing was like, it's cool to be drug-free or something. And they made up some chant. I can't remember if that's exactly what it was. But I was like, I don't think that's going to work. You know what I mean? Certain things just don't work. You know, they'll try it. You know, I was listening to Jericho. He wanted one of his um, catchphrases to be razzle-dazzle. <laughs> <laughs> just like, when's that going to... Didn't Daniel Bryan have something like that? Uh, yeah, I think that... The Dazzler. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Everybody knows one of the favorite uh, all-time X-Men, if you would. Is that a real X-Men? Yeah, Dazzler is a real X-Men. Oh. oh. They, uh, she was uh, somebody who kind of essentially had Jubilee powers, if you would. Uh, so a lot of, like, fireworks. Um, but she was also a pop singer. 
for just the, for the X Men. Yeah, or yeah, like, she was a pop singer. Like, like that was her whole thing. It would, dude. It was the seventies, eighties. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. At a certain point, they just go. Uh, I mean, it's not the Phoenix Saga, so she's a disco queen, dazzler, roller skater who has like fireworks. Did she make the Billboard charts? I mean, she was fairly successful. So there was Are some you? rumor, though, that when they made X-Men Apocalypse, uh, which was aptly named, by the way, Do you there was a possibility <laughs> that uh, Taylor Swift was going to play Dazzler and people were up in arms. And I said, oh, I don't like that choice, but I guess it kind of makes sense. Is that where they got Jim? Um, I don't know. That that's weird. I mean, totally outrageous. So hard for me to say. Can you do Casey Kasem introducing the Dazzlers top 40 hit? Absolutely. This is Casey Kasem speaking again. Coming to you guys straight from the eternal life. One of the best pleasures I've ever had was talking to a young Dazzler. She was 14. She had magic in her. Uh, I mean, wait, what's going on uh, these days? Is there a... Oh, I'm not going to tell this story then. Yeah, that's not good. I'm going to ruin uh, Casey Kasem. Let's just get to her number one hit. Sparkle up the sky, sparkle in my heart. Dedicated to Gina. From your best friend, Rusty. Gina. I hope this sparks up your day. Like you sparked up my life. That almost that was intense, man. That almost sparked up. <laughs> that almost sparked up way more than your heart, dude. I mean, listen, dude. I, I, the the hardest part about unearthing the Casey Kasem uh, files is that there's no going back. When does that happen? When are dead people going to start getting accused of shit? I don't know, but I always think of it like this: where when there is a different talk of different degrees of, you know, uh, I guess the situation in which we're in for. People having sexual harassment and you look at certain stories where people like they didn't understand the power dynamics of Louis C.K. and why that was a bad thing because they're just like, well, he just masturbated in front of them. They could have left. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's kind of weird. And also, what if they couldn't leave? And then if you look at it on a secondary level, what if you talk about the fact that this dude killed stories that wouldn't even let them tell that? So it's a little different. But it makes me think if that's what we're getting now. What are all the stories that just never made it to light? Well, that's why I was asking you, the state of the WWE, trying to like even touch on that a little bit. And especially after, I don't know if anybody remembers the whole Vince McMahon allegations. You know I mean? That's kind of, we live in such a frenetic boom, 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 that we forget. Like, we're on a Trump's hair already. We forgot about the Vince allegations. These and Zari things are already kind of, like, done and forgot. You know what I mean? It's just like... And like you said, everybody loves a good rehabilitation story. So isn't that like the cycle? Like Matt Lauer, isn't that even more weird that he had like the the lock under his desk? Like he would locked you in. Isn't that uh, just? Can I be very blunt about that? Because NBC definitely, from my experience, there are executives that they have the button. And I mean, I guess I never thought of it from that level. Yeah, but it's just because you saw the hustle and bustle and them just really not wanting to deal with anybody such well, a New York just, state. I think fire. what they did was they always just try to seem like they were a big shot of like, they'd be like, hey, come into my office, blump, blump. And then it would close. <laughs> oh, you got that done to you? Yeah, but never like the actual stuff. 
I just had people who would do the button, but then would like say like, "Hey, Raph, come on in," just to show like, "Hey, you like how I'm a big shot? I have a I, a button that closes my I like, door." I like how that's almost the same level. Like, that almost takes the same level of when people when I tell people that I was an altar server when I was growing up. <laughs> I mean, it's weird in that like I when they described the button for Matt Lawler. And I go, oh, yeah, they have those. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, no. And then you just uh, you immediately You had to go in your feel... mental Rolodex. Like, well, you no, have to do this no. where you you mm. have to first see yourself in that situation. You go, well, they're just trying to show they're a big shot. Oh, if I was a girl. Fuck. I get that That's going to be the next line of escape rooms. Yeah. Anyway. No. That's... NBC corporate office escape room. Anyway, NBC is a wonderful company to work for. Anyway, I just want to make it very clear. They, w- the way that they're integrating this, we don't know. We're, we're very much still in an era of trying to figure out how those things all progressed and worked. So, But I, is it creeping into like a reality era? Didn't we already do that? You know what I mean? And there was only such a finite like amount of topics that now everything's just so – there's nothing's taboo anymore that they can touch on. I think they just try to be in front of the story. It's like any good public relations. Right. They just want to be in control of how the story is told, who gets to be in charge of it. Um, That part's not new. The WWE is notoriously uh, very concerned with how their public image is is presented. Um, So I don't know, man. I I think it, it opens up a ton of questions as to what we can see and expect in the future. Like with the top 10 list, are they going to make like two sides? Like they're going to make like a Republican and Democratic Party that vote on it and some, like what's the, pay, like again, what are, there's like no more incentive to where these places are, we're going with the, maybe I'm just thinking about SmackDown. I don't know. Raw seems to have been more like wrestling focused, you know, and kind of getting back to the, but yeah. again, they're they're kind of pinched with, you know what they have to do with real life as far as like injuries and sure you know that's that's why the whole thing with the whole brock lesnar thing is that's in this contract he doesn't have to do as many dates that's why he's not in the boo-boo elimination chamber because he doesn't want to be in vegas on that day yeah you know us being smarts know that but you know they cover it up with you know with they just you know sprinkle a little sexism on it yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to, to see that sort of thing. And, and we'll see. I mean, again, it's a, it's a dynamic that I think is above this podcast's pay grade because I don't really think you're going to find any answer until you see where they go with the angle. And then more importantly, uh, the benefits of why they're going to do it are they're not quite as apparent for a company. It's the first ever women's elimination chamber. Raph ever first. Historically... Historically first, historical, ever. Yep. Are you gonna come or? Because when I say come, I mean out to Las Vegas because I live in Vegas. I do know that. I will not be there for that. But are you gonna be oh, going to that the one? Oscars. I I would like to. Uh, hopefully, I can find like a parking lot special. You know, I'm notoriously <laughs> procrastinating with. God, I'm saying all the wrong things. I feel like Tobias on Arrested Development. Like you should get a tape recorder and record mm. the shit you say. What I'm more, I have tickets to Joe Rogan on the 18th in Santa Barbara, and the day before, PWG is doing a thing, and I kind of would like to do that. That would be kind of like a cool birthday weekend, but I don't, those tickets, that's all reliable on <clears throat> my little bro, bro, Max, so 
who knows the card looks kind of cool um the main event is um chucky e. t's defending chuck taylor's the pwg world champion and he's going against his best friend trent question mark so that should be a <clears throat> an interesting affair i don't know if they're going to do all the hardcore stuff but I don't know if you saw the highlights from the last PWG where um, Chucky e. T took on Ricochet in his farewell match. There was flips and there was flops and there was tacks. Looked pretty intense. I actually like kind of yelled and clapped when I was watching the. I love those PWG uh, trailers. I think they do a, a pretty good job. I actually I ran into one of my friends out in uh, in Arizona. And he was like, dude, he goes, I haven't been to a PWD show. I was like, oh, you should go. And he just goes, I feel like it's so hard to keep up with their stuff, like their actual social stuff. And I said, yeah, you know, you got to they make it so that you have to be there. It's hard to fully describe it. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I felt like I could see like every match. I want to say like six months ago and now I can't see any of them. And I was like, well, right. sometimes they try to brand it and package it to somewhere else. Oh, as far as, like, the wrestlers go? Well, that's the thing about it. Like, that's... And especially with their last show, Mystery Vortex, they don't even announce the card. Like, you don't even see what you're going to get until they come out of the curtain. And that's that's the, that's just the essence of indie wrestling. You want to see these guys go to the next level, but we're living the weirdest time for it because the Young Bucks have exposed and Cody Rhodes have exposed a way to not have to go that this is the next level, that yeah. this level is fine enough. You know, to make the amount of money that you would and not have the schedule and, you know, all the pros and cons, but some you get so inundated with, you know, look at Ricochet, you know, and I'm sure certain wrestlers feel that that's all they could have accomplished on that, on the independent scene. And that's some of their, that's just their dream, you know what I mean? Is to be, yeah. look at, like, again, look at Ronda Rousey, how giddy she was, because that's, that's her dream, you know what I mean? It's hard to separate that from actually having to do the the business yeah she's supposed to be <clears throat> go out there and portray herself as a badass but like she's a human being and half of it is probably like fuck i've waited my whole life you know this is my my moment i'm i'm here you know what i mean it's hard to separate that i would i would assume i'm just i live on the bottom of the hill you know what i mean i'm an yeah. occasional i'm an occasional kind of guy yeah you know what i mean i live in the three dollar tournament range okay <laughs> so don't ask me about these experiences. <laughs> okay, sir. I'm just I'm just going off from from I'm from the cheap seats. That's a good segue back into our mission. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to ask you one last thing before we come to a close on this one right now. One last thing. So you like how they're sniping that chant too. Well, they will snipe anything. Dude. One fall for the new United States. So the next thing is, it, I have an article here that says Sting reveals when he decided to retire. So, when do you think Sting decided to retire? What he's not? Oh, he okay. So he. This is going back oh, in time oh, okay. and explaining when he knew it was time to call it quits. When Seth Rollins broke his neck. Well, no, because he actually was still kind of in that realm of I don't know, maybe. Oh, I don't. It's, I think this is going to be like a worse payoff than I'm like trying to guess. Like I'm trying no, to. I'm it's pretty. It's pretty standard. So what he said was, uh, why he announced his retirement at the 2016 WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. 
He said, I didn't know if I was going to make any announcement until I did it at the Hall of Fame. I was wavering. I was kind of back and forth on it. I got hurt wrestling Seth, and the neurosurgeons and everybody uh, were saying that I needed surgery and that I had trouble with, uh, trouble with cervical spinal stenosis or whatever they call it. And there were two areas of my neck that were really messed up bad, although I didn't have any pain or side effects. One more bad fall, and it's not going to be good for me. So I just thought enough was enough. Oh, yep. So is he retired? I mean, still conditionally from his, you know, his uh, Hall of Fame induction. Yes. And he said on who he would wrestle if he came out of retirement. uh, Survey says Undertaker. And he says, now, do I regret not leaving sooner for the WWE? That's actually a good question, but it's a tough one to answer. On one side, it's easy to say, yeah, I wish I would have gone earlier. On the other hand, I really don't have any regrets. But my dream match for more than a decade, or maybe two decades, was to have a good match against Taker, a.k.a. Caker. I wanted to have that. So, that does beg a, a certain little question in there. Because at first, I was with him when he said, yeah, you know, uh, I'm not that much on a regret. I could have gone earlier, but I just didn't. And on the other hand, I don't have any regrets. But my dream match for more than a decade. So Homeboy was sitting at home week after week thinking, should I do it? Nah, I'm good. Age isn't a thing. Yeah, but that gives him to his whole, he wanted the whole franchise player thing. That's the only way that he could have done that. He's the only, he's the only real one that they, they, they associate that with. And I don't know, is that a grander payoff? You know what I mean? To never to never have jumped ship, even though you know I was at that WrestleMania um, when he fought Triple H, and I was thinking really bad at first. But when they really pulled out all the stops with the lineage with <clears throat> DX and the Wolfpack and all that stuff, it was it made it was yeah it was kind of cool for the timing of it. I think if he would have came over like immediately, it would have turned out like how Bret Hart turned out in WCW, just kind of forgettable. You know what I mean? He had like two, three really big moments when he came over like recently. And I think that was, that nostalgia play is almost better because it's nostalgia, yes, but it's also in real time. It's also setting its foundation for a new story, even though you already know who that character, you've already known that character for, you know, 20 some some odd years. So, I mean, there's only, you can only do that with him. So I think it was, yeah, something like that you're always going to go back and forth with. Yeah, I don't know. I I think, though, there's just a weird thing. So I I went to play along with the, yeah, okay, he had his match in, like, what, 2015, 2016? Is that when you went? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, So a decade, and he goes, maybe more than, or maybe two decades. Two decades means you're kind of in that place of, damn, I'm at WCW, I'm kind of, at the pinnacle of my career, I'm about to go hang out in the rafters for three years. But that's not even your my favorite. Is that your favorite sting? Um, no, because I I, I always liked the beach sting. Beach sting made the most sense to me. Uh, right. because uh, the crow just seemed like a little odd. Although I understood why people would go fanatical with it. I actually, it wasn't until I think he went to Joker Sting that I kind of go, oh, that's funny to me. I, I get that. And I understood its place at the time. I was like, yeah, you know, WCW needed to 
<clears throat> go around, a, a get behind a dude that looked like he could handle the shit for them. So why not make him a, a crow-esque character? Um, but yeah, Beach Sting was always like, oh yeah, that's him. Yeah, that's what got me to fall to actually be like fall in love with um that actually what got my attention for WCW back in the day. It was guys like Ric Flair and Sting, Vader. You know what I mean? Those kind of like that's how WCW was characterized cuz WCW seemed more like a the sporty wrestling. Mm. Back then WWE back in the day seemed like more of the production with more of the over the top characters. So Sting seemed like a normal, like it was like a normal, like you said, beach dude. You know what I mean? They just had face pain and just jumped around and was like, oh, fuck, I could see that guy out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it, was a, a well, little it just seemed it. like that. I think it's always a perfect marriage on is this the person? Does this character fit? And to me, especially at that time, that was him. So Like David Lee Roth or Sammy Hager. Absolutely. Like, yeah, definitely the David Lee Roth Sting. All right, guys. Well, you know, I think that's going to go ahead and conclude it for this week. If you guys are so interested in, I mean, hey, calm down there, buddy. Yeah, your dog is. Your dog's super interested. Your dog has, hey, he wants to plug something. Go ahead. I mean, this dog has nothing to plug other than it wants food. So, uh, I mean, that's the one thing I guess uh, she and I really do share an appreciation for. I think she eats about as much as I do. So I get a little nervous about that. Right, no, I think she was chilling. saying, what about me? What about Raven? Absolutely. She's very, very into her own needs and wants. I want to put this out there, you guys. If you want to hear more from us, uh, hit us up in our socials. You can hit us up at the Real Heel section or heelsection.com. Uh, we want to find out. We've got a couple of people that we're looking to interview very quickly. But if you guys have people who are pro wrestlers who are crushing it on any scene or circuit, Hit us up, and uh, we can look to see if we can make some interviews happen. But uh, that's kind of the new stuff that we got going on for you. Um, we hope you guys are having a very, very nice day. We'll see you guys back very soon. One tweet me. I'm trying to think of, like, viable Sting songs to, like, riff into, and I can't, like... Oh, I guess it's Roxanne. You don't... You don't have to put that the put that you don't have to I still think the best theme song was what's the theme song for Sting? I don't know man. Just a man called Sting is really all we need to get across. Mmm mm, got it. I'm just I'm glad I'm just I forgot about I'm just a sexist Kurt. Sexist Kurt <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's not my original I can I think that's all over the place.